0: We thank you for your mercy and your kindness to us. We thank you for your faithfulness in all the days of our life. You will always be faithful to us and we thank you for that. We pray now, Lord, tonight that you might help us to hear your word and that we might respond to what you have to say to us tonight. We pray for all of our teachers and those who are meeting all across our campus. Thank you for the boys and girls and all the leadership and our students and choir and all of our people who have Bible studies going on and here we are together. What a special time it is. May we always appreciate, Lord, what you are doing that we get to see. uh, That we get to see your blessings and your grace and your mercy. We pray for those who are, we pray for foster children tonight. We pray for boys and girls who who are uh, who are in desperate conditions in home situations, some who may not have enough to eat, we pray that you would be the father to the fatherless as you promised to be, and you are, and you, you'll do miracles to care and provide for those children in all their circumstances. Help us as a church to do our part in ministry here in this part of the world where you've placed us. We come tonight and we need your wisdom, Lord. We need your wisdom for another day of life. We need your wisdom no matter what our age. We come and we ask for your help and your guidance. We pray that as we hear these these instructions that you have for us and these warnings, may we take them to heart and may we apply them in our daily lives. However they apply to us, all of us, Lord, in this room, you know all the circumstances we're going through. And you know the situations, and you know exactly what wisdom we need. So may tonight your word provide us with just the word of wisdom we need for what we're facing. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy. We pray now that you'd bless our fellowship in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good evening. Good to see all of you again. Proverbs chapter number 27. If you have, I hope you've picked up the outline. Uh, tonight, as we continue to move our way through uh, this wonderful book with so many great truths for us, and I hope that tonight will be the same for you. Those of you who are joining us online, may the Lord bless you. We're glad that you're here uh, with us, and we miss you. And we, but we're honored that you could come and join us uh, online. Now we come to, we're coming toward the end of the book of Proverbs. So if you just will thumb with me and just notice some observations. And your Bible may have headings that are different from mine, but we have in chapter 27, chapter 28, chapter 29, warnings and instructions. So we have three chapters now. We've looked over the last few weeks at those wonderful similitudes, wonderful comparisons. We look before at contrasts. So we're learning how to take the wisdom of God. God teaches us His wisdom by contrasts between good and evil, between differences and in similarities when things are alike. And uh, if you can bring that down just a little bit, a little bit, I'm afraid it's a little too loud. Thank you, brother. Now we come to warnings and instructions. So this is very similar to what happens in the book of Deuteronomy. When Moses is finishing Deuteronomy, by the way, Deuteronomy is one sermon. One sermon. Aren't you glad that you think I preach long sometimes? Well, you need to read that. And they were all standing up the whole time. Deuteronomy ends with blessings and cursings. That is, it's the end of the law of God, the end of the Torah. And what does Moses say? Well, there's blessings for obedience and there's curses for disobedience is similar here as we come through looking at the fear of God. The the book of Proverbs, the theme of the the book is the fear of God, living in the fear of God. If you're going to live wisely, we live in the fear of God. And we've talked much about what that means, what that looks like, and I would just refer you back to uh, the uh, information on the website and other places, the outlines, if you'd like to look at that. So in living in the fear of God, there are these things God warns us about. And then there are also these instructions that He gives us. So that's what we've come to now in chapter 27, 28, 29. Lord willing, we'll continue in the days ahead uh, to look at that as we finish up the book of Proverbs uh, soon. Let's read, uh, let's read now. You're, you're settled and you've you found your place. Let's read Proverbs 27. And hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to us from the Word of God tonight. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. A stone is heavy and the sand weighty, but the provocation of a fool is heavier than both of them. Wrath is fierce and anger is a flood, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. A sated man loathes honey, but to a famished man any bitter thing is sweet. Like a bird that wanders from her nest, so is a man who wanders from his home. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, so a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother far away. Be wise, my son, and make my heart glad that I may reply to him who reproaches me. A prudent man sees evil and hides himself. The naive proceed and pay the penalty. Take his garment when he becomes surety for a stranger and for an adulterous woman, hold him in pledge. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice early in the morning, it will be reckoned a curse to him. A constant dripping on a day of steady rain and a contentious woman are alike. He who would restrain her restrains the wind and grasps oil with his right hand. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. He who tends the fig tree will eat its fruit, and he who uh, cares for his master will be honored. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects man. Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, nor are the eyes of man ever satisfied. The crucible is for silver and the furnace for gold, And each is tested by the praise accorded him. Though you pound a fool in a mortar and with a pestle, along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. Know well the condition of your flocks. Pay attention to your herds. For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. When the grass disappears, the new growth is seen and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in. The lambs will be for your clothing and the goats will bring the price of a field. And there will be goat's milk enough for your food, for the food of your household and sustenance for your maidens. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word Bless the reading of your word now. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I find in these words 19, the focal point around this is that the fear of God is listening to his warnings and instruction. So we're coming to that section. If I'm to fear God, I'm to listen to his warnings and his instructions. So you have here, notice how they're woven together You have a collection of warnings and instructions, some in contrast, some in similarities, what we'd call similitudes. So you have a mixture here in 27, 28, and 29 as you'll see. I've identified 19 of them for you. If you were studying this yourself, I'm just illustrating how you can study Proverbs for yourself. Make your observations, note what you see, and then apply it to your life. Number one, Do not boast about tomorrow. Do not brag about tomorrow. For you do not know what a day may bring forth. Tomorrow and today. Tomorrow and today. I've mentioned this to you before and I've I've, I've been working on some material and I'll give it to you as we're finishing our study in Proverbs, but uh, the wisdom book of the New Testament, if you'd like to say it that way, is the book of James. James is probably one of the earliest of the letters that are in the New Testament, very Jewish in nature, and has very many of these same patterns, and I'm convinced uh, from my own looking at it, the Lord's Sermon on the Mount and the book of Proverbs uh, tie many of the uh Essential teachings of James together. So I'd like for you to keep your place in Proverbs 27 and let's find James actually quotes of this verse in James and let's look at it and, and receive a little additional, a little additional information about how we're to deal with today and tomorrow. Today and tomorrow. Hebrews says, if you hear God's voice today, don't harden your heart. You see, we have today. We have today. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. This is the lesson we're learning here. Do not boast about tomorrow. Well, tomorrow I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Let's read it together. James chapter 4. Find your place. James chapter 4, verse 13. James 4, 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, James 4, 13. Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say if the Lord wills we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him, it is sin. So yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. Notice the instru- instruction of James as you compare it with Proverbs. Proverbs says, don't boast about tomorrow because you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Don't don't boast about it. Uh, Don't assume that there is a tomorrow. Accept and deal and live for today. Live for today. Use Use your time. Glorify God today. Today is the day when you do it. Rather than, it's not saying that there's no value in planning but we plan recognizing what we've learned in Proverbs already we make our plans but the Lord directs our plans we make our plans but the Lord directs our plans we may have set a plan for this but lo and behold we're here how many times did Paul make his plan in the book of Acts to go to Asia and he couldn't he never got to go to Asia for a long time because he was hindered but instead of Asia, he sees, he sees in a vision a man from Europe. Come over here and help us. And he goes to Europe. And there's the gospel as it moves across, even as we're blessed today because of that work. So when you're thinking to everyone in this room, planning tomorrow. Planning tomorrow. As James says, we ought to say, if the Lord wills. That is, Whatever the will of God is for tomorrow, I will do that will. Whatever God's will is. Someone said to me one time, well, my life certainly looks different today than I thought it would be. Well, of course. Why are you surprised by that? Everyone's life looks different than you think it will be. Because if we follow the Lord, the Lord provides and does things for us we do not understand. Well, I never expected that I would be in this situation in my life. Well, I never expected that this would happen. I never would have thought that I would lose this job or whatever it might be, this friend or whatever it could be. I never would have thought this would happen in my family. If the Lord wills, we do not know what tomorrow brings. And boasting about tomorrow, as James says, is arrogance. The Lord said something also that I wanted to just remind you that also goes with this and I'll just read it to you for the sake of time. Matthew chapter 6. If you have really fast thumbs you can find it, but if not, Matthew 6 34. At the end of when the Lord is talking about don't worry about anything, this is Matthew 6.34, he says, do not worry about tomorrow. You see people plan tomorrow but they worry about tomorrow. They plan for tomorrow but they also worry about tomorrow. How are you dealing with tomorrow? The Lord says, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So we learn today about the importance of dealing with not boasting about tomorrow. For you do not know what a day may bring. And then we come to the, we come verse two to another one of these very wise uh, reminders about the, the reality of praise and being provoked. There's both here. Let another praise you, and do not, and not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. We find here this matter of praise, self-praise, wanting someone to tell us how good we're being. You know, children want to be praised. Children want to be affirmed, and they should be, and we should do so. We should honor them. We should show respect to one another in the ways that are proper. Not flattery, but honest, uh, fair encouragement to one another about our life. But praise should not be self promotion. Self promotion. The devil's a self promoter. But we, as followers of the Lord Jesus, we shun that, we turn away from it, we let others praise us, not our own lips. In fact, we find the danger of praise uh, and the importance of dealing with it. In fact, I'll go ahead and link them together because I don't want to uh, miss this in my time. But if you'll notice, there's a very, very powerful verse uh, later on in verse number 21 that has to do with praise. Let me read it also, Proverbs 27, 21. the the crucible is for silver remember a crucible is used to take the the, uh, impurities out of silver and the furnace is used for the same thing you turn on the fire you put the gold in the furnace and the, the impurities are taken out here's a real test here's a real test for all of us each is tested by the praise accorded to him you see praise tests a man praise tests a man I gave it to you there in the uh, paraphrase in uh, numbers under number 17 a man is tested by his praise when someone praises you what does it do to you when someone praises you do you take that in and then begin to have uh, pride and arrogance rise up do you take that in a selfish way or do you turn it and say glory to God not in a, you know, sometimes people will say, oh, thank you for that. I give the glory to God. But really, they're just saying that they really actually appreciate that somebody's praising them. And they take, it as, they take it as a form of flattery. Praise is a test. You see, sometimes we think that a curse is the test. But actually, praise is the test. How do you do when everybody praises you? How do you do when everybody tells you how good you are, how smart you are, how wonderful you are. We have the example of it in athletics all the time. Someone's told how great they are and the greatness goes to their head and they don't ever deliver when they're on the field. What do you do when praise comes? It's like being in the fire. That's such an important insight for all of us here. Let another praise you. How do, what do we teach our children? We teach our children and our grandchildren. Receive praise, but understand who you are. Accept your, with humility what you really are. When someone's praising you, you also know, oh yes, but if you only knew all the other things that God is having to work on in my life. Let another praise you and not your own mouth. There's something strange when somebody praises themselves. Let me brag on myself. Nobody appreciates it. In fact, the room clears out when somebody stands around bragging. After a while, the braggart has no one as an audience. They've all gone because no one likes to listen to someone brag on themselves and how smart they are and what all they've done and what all they've experienced and blah, blah, blah. Here it goes. It's like... Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. There's a discipline. There's an instruction the Lord gives us. What did the Lord say in the Sermon on the Mount? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. This is what we do. Less is better rather than more. Have you noticed sometimes when some people talk, the longer they talk, the more trouble they get into a stone is heavy and the sand is weighty. Those of you who work and have done yard work, you know, these days, I saw some men out the there, they moving some stones around and they were, they were moving these stones. They were not able to use equipment. They were having to carry them, but these were, these were pretty good sized stones and they were trying to put them in place. I was reminded of that as I was thinking about this next uh, uh, statement for us. A stone is heavy. The sand is weighty. You know, dragging bags of sand around is is hard. It's exhausting. If you move rocks for a while and you drag sandbags around, you're going to be tired. But there's something that's even heavier. There's something that's even more exhausting. And that's the words of a provoker. Have you ever been provoked? You know, sometimes uh, in the schools these days, the children, they call it bullying. It's very real. Perhaps uh, some of you, you know, many many grow up in homes where words are a weapon and they are used uh, to harm and to hurt. Provoking is a use, a sinful use of words. Provoking, you know, it's like... uh, it's like agitating the chained dog. You know, the dog can't get to you and you're just far enough away. You better thank God that dog's on a chain. If that dog breaks loose, provoking. You know, a child provoking an animal. You know, not provoking, poking, agitating. It's more exhausting than moving rocks or dragging sandbags. You know, like gossip, provoking people happens all the time. It happens in families. It happens at work. What did, we, what did we read last week? Let's go back and look at it. This is Proverbs 26, 18. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death, so is the man, here's a similitude, who deceives his neighbor and says, was I not joking? There's a form of provoking. Provoke, provoking. You're not good enough. You're this, that, or the other. This, using words to provoke. There are many examples of it in the Word of God. David was provoked after he became king by one of Saul's relatives. And one of his men said, remember he was cursing and cussing David as he was on the other side. Of course, he was a, a distance away. You know, he was cussing David. David. Cussing. Now, I'm talking about Hebrew cussing. He's cussing him. And remember, uh, David's, one of his powerful men says, you want me to go over there and just take care of him? You want me to just go ahead and kill him? The Lord said, no. If I deserve it, I deserve it. Let him say what he needs to say about me. Provoking. Have you ever been a provoker? You know, this is such an important issue that the, that in instructing parents about how to deal with their children, we're reminded by Paul, do not provoke your children to anger. You see, provoking leads people to anger and emotions that are not helpful in their life. Oh, the weariness. You can, When you're being provoked, when you're provoked, finally you're more exhausted than if you've done two days of heavy work dragging stones, lifting stones, and dragging sandbags wrath is fierce and anger is a flood. Those are really good words in verse 4. Wrath is fierce. There's nothing there's nothing more powerful than these emotions of wrath and anger. Wrath is fierce and anger is a flood but but here's a contrast who can stand before jealousy? jealousy? Passion is rottenness to the bones I gave you on the outline Proverbs 14 30 jealousy jealousy I want to go back again and, and point this out to you about the comparison comparisons we find in James uh, let me go back and read it to you in James chapter number um, let me go back and uh, find it here Yeah, James chapter 3, verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show up by his good behavior, his deeds, and the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, most of us in this room, I know you very well. We've all walked in the church a long time. There's nothing sadder than to see jealousy in the church. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. You know, one of the most bitter men I ever knew, uh, he was probably the greatest critic of preachers uh, in his church all his years. You know his story was, God called him to preach and he didn't preach when he was young and so for all of his life he was jealous of every preacher who ever tried to lead him. Jealousy. I could do that. I could do that better than him. Well, how come they get what? jealousy? There's nothing. There's nothing. You cannot stand before jealousy. It is overpowering. You see, if we bite and devour one another, James says, how can we honor God? So these emotions we see all come around. He's giving us a cluster of warnings here. Uh, Let another praise you, not your own lips. But remember, sometimes you're tired if you've been in the presence of a provoker. There's nothing worse than in marriages when husbands and wives provoke each other. There's nothing worse than seeing children provoke. There's nothing worse than seeing a boss who provokes their employees. I'm going to you know, provoke them and that's going to make them do better. It never, never works. It never works. It causes all kinds of unintended consequences. And this is our warning. Better is an open rebuke. See, we're going on words here. We're still on words. Better is an open rebuke than love that is concealed. Friendly and unfriendly words, you see. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, verse six, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. We saw this before as we were looking at uh, words in relationships. We've seen various examples of it faithfulness of the wounds of a friend. You know, those friends in your life who say to you without emotion, they just say it out of love to you, they give you words that you need to hear. They they give you words of counsel, of wisdom. And they may not be a lot of words, they may be a few words, but they're faithful are faithful are the wounds of a friend but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. An enemy praises you, but in their heart they hate you. Remember, we saw this in weeks gone by. We've seen this before in the book of Proverbs about the hatred of those who use uh, words to uh, hide their hatred. They're deceitful in what they say. And so we learn here again, the importance of how we speak to others. In fact, it's in Proverbs twenty six twenty four. He who hates disguises it with his lips, but he lays up deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, do not believe him. You see, deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. When he speaks graciously, do not believe him. Do you believe everything people tell you? It's important for you to be discerning To ask yourself the question, why are these people saying what they're saying to me? What is their purpose and what is their goal in what they say? Then we come to this very important word. It seems a little strange, but a sated man loathes honey, but to a famished man any bitter thing is sweet. It simply reminds us of the importance, the difference between being satisfied and being Being hungry, hungry, and being satisfied. It is this difference between satisfaction and dissatisfaction. It's used in the description of of the way, you know, when you're full, you don't want anything else. You're satisfied when you're full. But when you're not full, when you're famished, as uh, verse 7 says, even bitter things are sweet. You'll take anything, you'll eat anything. It's this picture of satisfaction and dissatisfaction in our life. But then there's wondering. I wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. It's the old hymn. Coming home. Coming home. Never more to Rome. What a great song. But what a testimony for all of us. You see, we wonder from God, don't we? Wandering away from home. You see, like a bird wanders from her nest, the, the nest is the home for the bird. So a man who wanders from his so is a man who wanders from his home. There's only one nest for the bird. There's only one home for us. And so I wanted us to think about wandering for a moment. And I gave you some things on your notes. A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. we, we read earlier in the book of Proverbs when we were looking at the foolish, naive man who, uh, who made his way uh, to the home of the adulterous woman. Here was a man who left his home and uh, wandered away. And uh, as we read about him, the man looked through the window and saw the young man far from his home in a place he shouldn't have been doing what he should not have done, wandering, wandering. When you wander away, I have gone astray. Psalm one hundred nineteen, one seventy-six is the last verse in the book of uh, in the in the chapter of one nineteen, the, the longest psalm in the Bible. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. He is on the path of life who heeds instruction, but he who ignores reproof goes astray. And all we like sheep have gone astray. It is the it is the nature of we who are humans to wander. We wander. We, we get off the path. We chase rabbits. We go down these paths. There's nothing there. And sometimes we lead our families. We, lead our, we, we, we take our spouses, our children. We, we, we go down. We, go, we wander away from the truths of God. I don't know how many times I've talked with men who have repented of their sin and said, why did I why did I live? Why did I go? Why did I make those choices? Well, you did. You chose them. You decided one day to do that. And your decision to do that uh, was well, led to permanent consequences. Even though we repent, you know, friends, there are still, there are still lots of consequences that we, we're left with from our decisions. Oil and perfume... Make the heart glad. Why? There's nothing more refreshing. What what does our three-year-old say? Uh, Q, spray some of that man juice on me. Okay, there you are. Nothing makes him happier than for me to spray. And sometimes he needs it, by the way, when he won't take a bath for like two weeks. We try to get him to. So if you have tips on how to get a three-year-old to take a bath, you can come send it to me. Google, send me something on Google. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, so a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. Nothing smells sweeter. Nothing brings happier joy than counsel. A man's counsel is sweet to his friend. You see, to his friend. And then friendship goes on, verse 10. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house In the day of your calamity, better is a neighbor who is near than a brother far away. Oh, the blessing of our friends, the faithfulness of friendship. And what makes a parent glad? Be wise, my son, make my heart glad. A prudent man sees evil and hides himself. See, that's what a prudent person does. That's what a cautious person does. They see evil and they hide from it. And the naive proceed and pay the penalty. Then there is this strange statement about uh, promises and uh, this idea of taking, trusting a pledge for a stranger. You know, if you don't know someone and you make a commitment to do something for them, there's danger in that. In the ancient world, it was the idea that you exchange a garment or some clothing as a pledge, a commitment for what you're doing to... Uh, to, uh, uh, to uh, have to take care of someone with some obligation and so there is danger in trusting a pledge for a stranger and so this is the point take what they take, seize the garment for he stood surety for another a stranger be careful who and how you commit committing to, tr- committing to take care of the stranger must be done in a wise way as God gives us direction. But then, of course, we have verse 14. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice early in the morning, it will be reckoned a curse to him. When I was in college, we had, phone, we had landline phones. Do any of you know what a landline phone is? And they were on the wall. And I had this one friend Who called every morning and played loud music through the phone at like six o'clock in the morning? And finally, I wrote this verse on a piece of paper and stuck it on his dorm room door to remind him he who blesses his friend with a loud voice early in the morning, it will be reckoned a curse to him. There's nothing more aggravating than somebody talking really loud early in the morning you see everything matters in the word of God even the way you greet people in the morning he would rest- now we have this again this repeated thing about a contentious woman I would say also this this is, this is contentiousness whether it's male or female there's nothing that can be done for someone who is, who is in a fighting mood this is the point of this Notice what it says here. He who would restrain her, that is the contentious woman. They restrain the wind, uh, grasps oil with his right hand. You You can't hold on. You can't get a hold of someone who's being contentious. You have to let it pass. And then we come to this word, which I wanted to get to, about how relationships improve us. You know, Paul was better for being with Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas and then also Paul was better and Timothy and Titus were better because they were with each other and with Paul. And Luke was better because he was with Paul. I could give other examples. The disciples were better together than they were separate. Peter, James, and John were those that the Lord took aside. All of these are examples of how When we're in relationship and our relationships are right and godly, we sharpen each other. We make each other better. We we help each other along. And that's why this is such a wonderful verse for us to all keep in mind in our relationships with each other. Iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. And one man sharpens another. I read from uh, chapter 25, verse 12, These words, like an earring of gold and an ornament of gold, is a wise reprover to a listening ear. There's nothing better, there's nothing better than those who are in our life, God puts in our life, who sharpen us and make us stronger. Well, he mentions the blessing of work. Uh, Tend your fig tree, you'll enjoy the fruit. He talks about the importance of what man. What really reveals what's in a man? Oh, it's what's in our heart. Verse nineteen: As water, as water face, as in water face reflects face like a mirror. So the heart of man reflects the man. And I just remind you what the Lord said. Uh, I've got it there on your outline. Um, it's uh, that which proceeds out of the man. Out of the man, that is what defiles a man. For From within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting, wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things, all these evil things, proceed from within and defile the man. Are you an unsatisfied man or woman tonight? Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied nor are the eyes of man ever satisfied she saw it and it was beautiful and it was good to eat and she gave it to her husband it's been the same forever what we see what we see leads us to covet the Lord said pluck out your eye what was he saying he wasn't literally saying pluck it out but it's that right eye the right eye the right eye sees those things and we covet them I do remind you that in the law of God and the Ten Commandments, covetousness is included and that's tied to your eye. What do you see and what do you desire? Well, praise tests a person and uh, look, as long as a fool is a fool, he's a fool. That's what verse 22 is saying. You see, a fool can be saved by the grace of God and change. We can be, all of us have lived in foolishness of sin. Praise God for salvation. I've been a fool I've been a fool of my sin now I want to be a fool for Christ I want to live for Christ but you see the the verse in 22 is simply saying uh, you can't take foolishness out of a fool only God can take foolishness out of a fool but the last one and I'll leave it with you this is not advocating that you got to go to the store tonight and buy goat's milk but it's simply saying this take care of your business Take care of your business. That's what he's saying here. Know well the condition of your flocks. Pay attention to your herds. And then he goes on and looks at all the things. From lands uh, to the clothing to what the goats bring from the field and the goat's milk and all the sustenance of your house. Take care of your business and provide for your own. Here's the way Paul said it. With this I close. 1 Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 4.11 Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your own hands. To the praise of the glory of His grace, let's let's end where we started. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord is near to the door. Come, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters here. We have been blessed again tonight to hear these words, to help us, to help us with all the conditions of our life. How we pray that you might help us live as wise believers in Christ, in the fear of God, guarding what we see and look at, guarding what we say, and giving ourselves to holy emotions, not to sinful emotions. Grant us your grace to be your people in this world. Bless these, my dear friends, tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Go get you some goat's milk. You'll be better for it.